Good morning, 24 Church. Now, first service, I thought they were pretty quiet. I thought second service is going to come in. They're going to be a little bit more awake because they've had a little bit of time to get more coffee. And I said, good morning, church, and y'all just kind of look at me. So let's go again. Good morning, church. I've got Ric Flair down here on the front row. I mean, I, I mean, talk about a, and some of you are probably going, who is this guy up there? I'm not Chris. I didn't know if, uh, if there's, there's any differences, but Chris and I have been lifelong friends. As a matter of fact, yesterday, one of the things that I forgot that I wanted to bring with me today to share with you is there is a picture of Chris and I sitting in a chair at my parents' house, and we both are about two or three years old. I'm the tall one in the picture. Chris is not. And over the years, I have learned that anytime I'm with Chris Royalty, the other day he called me, and of course, Gracie's in this service, uh, and um, he said, I'm taking her to get her permit. And I begged, I said, Gracie, please let me teach you how to drive. Please, for, for everything that is on planet Earth, let me teach you how to drive. But I say this joke that we have been such, we have been great friends. And we have, one of the things that's been so great about our friendship is because we were both pastors. We both have planted churches. Uh, there's been times he's been able to gripe to me about some of you. And there's a lot of times that I have griped him about some of my church folks, and that's what keeps us sane. And the thing that, I mean, lifelong friends, I mean, we used to do a lot of youth revivals together, and we usually would go to a place and stay long enough till they kicked us out and told us not to come back. Because one of the things that you might know about Chris is that sometimes we like to do ministry just a little bit different. If it's normal, probably ain't going to happen. And uh, but as we have grown together and we've grown, we've we watched each other's churches. As a matter of fact, I remember sitting and talking with him when 24 Church was a uh, dream, and I thought, why would you name a church 24? He said, Soft Exit 24. Okay, that's all you got. He said, Yeah. I said, All right, go do it, and he's done it. Then a few years later, when I felt led to plant a church, I said, Well, I'm going to call it New Vision Community Church. He goes, Why would you call it New Vision Community Church? I don't know, but I've got it. So here we are 12 years later at New Vision, and here we are. If you brought your Bible this morning, say amen. To those of you that did not say amen, you put extra money in the offering plates as you go out. To those of you that did bring your Bible, those of you that are going to click to your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. As a matter of fact, these verses that we are to read when I was telling you that Chris and I were sitting around and I was talking about planting a church. Same thing about with you when you were talking about planting a church. These were some of the verses that kept popping into our mind what a church should look like. Now you and I right now, we are all in something together. We're living this thing called life. If you go to a cemetery today, you will see a death date and you will see the death date. There's those two things that are on every headstone or, or every tombstone that you go to. You and I right now, that little dash is the right now. You and I are living in the right now. We're living in this moment where we need to allow God to speak to us. We need to allow something special to happen to us because right now we are living in a time of uneasiness. I don't know if you realize, but outside the walls of this church, it's crazy out there. Now, I'm going to tell you, like I told first service, the more amens and participation that I feel back, the quicker that you'll be able to beat the Methodist to the local restaurant. <laughs> so if you want to go to lunch, say amen. Amen! Man, you're ready to go right now, aren't you? So as we think about what it is with all the uneasiness, I mean, people are mad, people are worried, people are depressed, some people are just simply in the need of Jesus, and they don't even realize it. 
But when I think about the church and the right now, if we're going to be in a church, if we're going to, nice of you to join us. Um, if, <laughs> all right, time out. I'll come back to this. A few years ago, I got to preach at my home church in Gordonsville, Tennessee. I, I, I grew up in Gordonsville, Tennessee, and the guy that was my principal and my basketball coach, he used to yell at me all the time. I'm in the middle of preaching, and he gets up to walk out. And in, at Gordonsville First Baptist, the main exit is you have to go by here. So I'm in my, 20, or my 30s at this point in time. Here comes my old basketball coach, the principal of the school. If you know him, Steve Armstead. He came up to there, and I was sitting there in my mind. I thought, focus, Brad, focus, Brad, focus, Brad. And I finally said, Armstead, because he used to call me Roger. I said, where are you going? I said, I have waited an entire lifetime to be able to yell back at that man. <laughs> so this morning, I have waited an entire lifetime to be able to come and tell you that we are in the right now. We are in this moment right now where we need to see God do something special through the church. Now understand this, the church is not these walls. The church is what's happening inside these pews or these chairs. You are the church. The church is not something that you go to. The church is something that you become a part of. And when you become a part of it, and it becomes part of who you are, it becomes something that, that you cannot go without. In Acts chapter 2, we hear this story of this first church, and it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Let me stop and do a little survey. I forgot to do this with first service. Y'all are more special. Y'all are second service. How many of you in here know somebody that is in need of Jesus? Church, we have a job to do. Church, right now, we need to be thinking about what I, I, I mentioned a while ago, that we're in this time of uneasiness. People are mad, they're worried, they're depressed. People are in need of something special. And we've got that something special here this morning, and His name is Jesus Christ. This side's got it. We're in need of Jesus Christ. Now, this is how this works. Church, something you believe in, you say, Amen. Now, I know this might not be your typical custom here because Chris does this a lot. <laughs> I'm going to do this a lot also today, but in the process of this, I want you to say Amen because if there's anything to get excited about, it's Jesus Christ. I, I told first service, and I'm going to tell you, I've sat down in Nashville at that football stadium, and I've been out there when Hank Williams came out and said, are you ready for some football? And everybody went, ah! I've been, <laughs> there we go. I've been down to the, I've been down to Bridgestone, and I've watched the Predators play two times, and I saw that sea of yellow. Everybody jumped up and went, I didn't even know what I was cheering for because I don't understand hockey. But I was right in there, yes, yes, yes. I've been to the greatest place on heaven, this side of heaven known as Rupp Arena. I'm from Kentucky, sorry. <laughs> and uh, when you go into that place, you can just feel the basketball, go basketball gods looking down upon you. And you're like, yes. But you know what? At the end, when Hank Williams got through and that football game was over, the game was over. 
When I went to Bridgestone, the hockey game's over, it's over. I've been to Rupp Arena several times, the game's over, it's over. But this morning when we call upon the name of Jesus, He's still alive and He's still doing what Jesus does. He's still saving souls. He's changing our lives. He's making a difference in each and every one of us if we will just say, Lord Jesus, use me. But it's got to start right here, right now. All right, y'all are starting to get the hang of this. The priority in today's world is not Jesus. We all have things that we need to do. And the things that are the most important to us, it gets the most priority. Now yesterday morning, my son, who, my wife and son are right over here. I won't single them out, but they're on the front row by Chris. We had an 8 o'clock Saturday morning football practice for junior pro football. Who in their right mind gets up at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning for junior pro football? Apparently we do. And of course the coach came there, we got to be ready, boys, we got to be ready, boys. I'm like, man, I hadn't even had my coffee. I'm not ready for nothing but this cup of coffee. Just be quiet, coach. But this morning we come in here for something that matters more than junior pro football. It's Jesus Christ. What about in the church? The priority should always be on Jesus, but sometimes we make the priority whatever we want our personal preferences to be. We're too worried about, well, the music's too loud. They didn't sing my favorite song. That preacher's hair, what color is it this week? (laughs) We've got all these different things that we're worried about. But when it comes down to it, how are we focused on Jesus Christ? What needs to be the right now? What is it that you need to do on this Sunday morning in the right now that you say, Lord Jesus, do a work inside of me. Do something mighty. Do something great through me. The now is the priority and the most important thing that matters to us. And when I read through these verses, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. A few weeks ago, I was preaching a message, and God laid this upon my heart. And I asked New Vision Community Church, the church that I serve, I said, would you be more concerned if somebody knocked on your door to take your guns or your Bible? Some of y'all are going, well, I know what I'd do. I'd shoot them. Then they wouldn't get my Bible. (laughs) But the point I'm wanting to make here is sometimes we're more worried about the stuff that is right around us. Our stuff. And we miss out on the things that are most important. I, there's a guy I know back home, and he's got, he's got all these. He's got, I mean, just gun after gun after gun after gun. I'm like, you realize you can only shoot them one at a time. <laughs> he's like, well, if, if anything happens, they ain't getting me. I'm like, I'm going to tell you what, if the end of the world's coming and Jesus comes back, shoot me right here first. Because I want to go to glory to be with Jesus. But right here in this moment right now, where we are at right here right now, what are we trying to do? The apostles were teaching people about Jesus and the importance of being devoted to Him. And you will not find any other person who's been more devoted to you than Jesus Christ is. This morning when I, of course, I always laugh and I come in, you're from Kentucky? Man, that's a long way. Yeah, I drove the whole 35 miles this morning. (laughs) Over the river and through the woods, through Springfield, I come. But on the way over here, I realized that the same... Jesus that died over 2,000 years ago, He's still alive today. He knows your needs. He knows your worries. He knows what depresses you. He knows what, what causes anxiety in your lives. He knows all this about you. 
And when he was on this earth, he told all of his followers, he said, listen, he said, I'm going to die for you. But don't worry. It's all going to be okay because in three days later, I'm coming out of the grave. So this morning when we say the name Jesus, we're not talking to a dead man. We're talking to somebody who's alive. Come on, church. Because if there's anything to get excited about, if there's anything that's going to move us, it's the fact that our Lord and Savior is alive this morning. Now, going back to this church, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Well, right now, you and I need to make sure that we are learning as much as we possibly can about Jesus. Because we live in a world that is full of all kinds of information. Right now, in this moment, if you don't like the way that I preach, you can pull this thing out, and you can find any preacher, say whatever you want it to say, and you can, you can share it to everybody and say, oh, I like this preacher better than this preacher. I like this guy. I like this guy. I like this guy. You can also find things on there that are absolutely immoral and wrong. Very easily. How much data do you have on Jesus? How much data do you have on Jesus? I mean, think about how much do you truly know about your Lord and your Savior? I pointed out that my wife and my son are over here. I remember when Jenny and I were were dating, I couldn't get enough data about her. I know everything about her. I knew that in my old Bronco... I had to keep some of that dentine ice in there because I might get a little sugar. <laughs> if there was no dentine ice in there, there was no sugar. I was her pastor. Here she goes. <laughs> she'd come down to the altar and she'd say, lay hands on me, preacher. I'm like, I can't do that. Mm. <laughs> But when we were dating, we would learn everything about each other that we possibly could. Now that we've been married for 17 years ago, she knows more about me than she probably wishes that she did know. In your walk with Jesus, how are you getting closer to your Lord and Savior? How have you grown in your relationship with the Lord? There is a problem when people claim to be followers of Jesus, yet they know very little about Him. Living in a small town where I live at, a lot of people don't know my name. They just know me as preacher. And one day I was coming out, of, I was going into Subway, and this man's coming out of Subway. He says, preacher, I'm glad to see you. He says, tell this guy he's dying and going to hell. He says, tell him, that's what Bible, he quoted some Bible verse, and I, read, I, I said, all right, let me process this for a moment. I processed through it. I said, well, all right, now that verse does say that. I said, but if you follow down through the next verses down through here that, and put everything in a context, you know what it says? He goes, what? You're going to hell too. Because you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He didn't like that. Made him mad. You know what my spiritual gift is? Running people off from church. I'm just going to look right here. Learn from people that have a strong relationship with Jesus. That's why the church is so important that you have people in your life, people that are around you that are going to build you up in Christ Jesus. There is no better place to come than the church to find out what's the best for my life. You don't need to be going to Google. You don't need to be going. I get amazed at how many people, they'll get on Facebook and they'll be trying to paint their house and they'll put four or five, what color do you like best? If I see it, if you put that on there and I'm friends with you on Facebook, I'm going to put all of them. It doesn't matter. It's your house. Whatever color you want on there, paint it whatever color you want to. But when it comes to the things of God, learn from people that have a relationship with Jesus, that know Jesus, that know something about Him, that just don't know His name. 
These believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It says to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. As they were getting and having fellowship with each other, they realized that even in the first church, there were some messed up people and they needed to be prayed for. Like in this room right here, right now, every one of us could use prayer somewhere in our life. Every one of us need to be praying more. If there's ever been a time in our nation that needs prayer, it's right now. Pray for our nation. Pray for your church. Pray for your family. I always pause when I talk about praying for family. I'm a preacher's kid. That's one of the things that Chris and I, we're both uh, PKs. And uh, we lived in the, the church parsonage at First Baptist Church, Gordonsville. Well, we didn't have enough bedrooms upstairs, so because I'm the oldest preacher's kid, they put me down in the basement, so they... They built out this wall. And when your room was in the basement at the, at the parsonage at First Baptist Church, Gordon, man, I heard everything that happened in the house with air ducts. It always amazed me that at night, I would hear my mom and dad say the name Jesus, and they would pray for Charles Bradley, John Randall, Kristen Levon. Even way back then, I even heard my mama praying for my wife. God, wherever that lady is, whoever this young lady, they were praying a long time. First time my mama met Jenny, I introduced her. She goes, can she play the piano? Because my mama thought that if she's going to be a preacher, why she had to play the piano? She said, nope. She said, it's not of God. <laughs> so I married her anyway. I showed her. Pray that you will stand strong for the gospel of Jesus because each and every one of us, we're going to be put in situations where we're going to have to make a stand. Are you for Jesus? Are you against Him? In the now, are you going to stand up? In here, it's easy to stand up. In here, it's easy to sing the praises because we have everything in common. We're at church. That's what we're supposed to do. But when you get outside, are you going to have everything in common with the believers? Are you mad at somebody because somebody on this side won't talk to somebody on this side? If that's the case, you need to get it fixed. Because that's going to mess up your church. And the way to fix that is that we have got to pray. You can take everything to God in prayer. And our prayers need to be right here and right now. God, change me. God, use me. God, stir me. Man, I'm praying to see a movement of God like we've never seen in this last generation. Because there's too many churches that's not focused on Jesus. They're focused on everything but Jesus. But right now, we can make a difference. We can change the course of, of, of what's fixing to take place if the church would rise up because we got all the power that we need and His name's Jesus. Right now, not only do we need to learn about Jesus and we need to pray, but one of the greatest things about being a follower of Jesus, in verse 43, it says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were, were together and had all things in common. Right now, there's got to be unity. Unity is a word that is used loosely in our world right now. Everybody talks about unity, but usually what they mean is, I want you to be like me. We can fix the unity problem if we quit saying you got to be like me and say we need to be more like Jesus. i got a couple. And that's one of these where everybody starts wondering, well, are you Republican or are you Democrat? I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you vaccinated or are you not vaccinated? I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you a UK fan or are you a UT fan? I'm close to Jesus. I'm a UK fan. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's just too easy. 
We need to have all things in common because Jesus is the only way to obtain this. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus is a unifier. He's not a divider. How about in the back? Jesus is a unifier, not a divider. In unity with Jesus, that's when we're going to be used by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not going to be doing what the Holy Spirit can do when we've got all, uh, got all kinds of division around us. But when we come together under the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit starts doing what the Holy Spirit does, all of a sudden you're going to be able to do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. I mean, look how the Holy Spirit can transform some redneck like me into a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, the Holy Spirit's been riding with us for a long time because we neither one have died. I make fun of Chris's driving, but sometimes I'm just as bad as he is. I think of the different places that we've been and, and places that, that, that I've gone to, and I think, why in the world, God, have you sent me here? It wasn't too long ago I was, I was at a place, and there was a guy that I, I knew that, his, that he had a crisis going on, and his son had been diagnosed with cancer. And, I was going to, and I've been trying so hard to witness to this guy and share the gospel of Jesus with him. And I, I was kneeling down, and I was talking to him, and I thought, man, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. And I started sharing the gospel, and we were getting this close, this, this close. Then the door opens, and this other person comes in. They go to a church. I said, thank you, I've got some backup. And the person that claims to be Jesus came in fussing and cussing about everything. And I lost the moment. You've got to be ready right now because you never know when you can be used for the gospel or when you can be a division for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That moment that I had been praying for so long was gone just like that because another follower of Jesus was having a bad day. Listen, everybody's going to have a bad day. But everybody needs to have a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the unity comes the commitment to the church. Your church should have a high priority in your life because it's important to your spiritual growth. I have never known a time in my life that I have been away from the church. And I've gone through some pretty good church fights in my lifetime. And when you're a preacher's kid, that's just part of it. I've pastored the very, I have been a, a pastor my entire adult life. I mean, you can't make this up. The very first church I pastored was Slaughter's Baptist Church in growing and gracious Slaughter's, Kentucky. If you have been there, you were so lost, you did not know where you were at. Then I left Slaughter's, and I drove to the land of Logan County, Kentucky, to become the pastor in Shaco at Whippoorwill Baptist Church. I mean, you can't make that up. First Sunday, I go into the church, stand behind the pulpit, and nobody got it. The church is an amazing tool because God can use somebody like dressed up like Ric Flair on the front row. And that can be used for the gospel of Jesus Christ. On the back side of this wall over here, there are volunteers that are loving on your kids. And they're getting the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with all these kids. Man, only in the church can you put something together like this. In this place, there's been people out here, they've been making coffee. They're out in the hot parking lot, waving at cars. And it's all for the glory of Jesus Christ. And listen to me, commit to doing something in your church. Don't just sit there on your blessed assurance doing nothing. Because so many people, they come to church and they just take and take and take and take. And they say, like, well, I'm going to find me another church because I'm not getting blessed. You know why you're not getting blessed? Because you're not giving anything back to it. If you're not here, a piece of the church is missing. 
Commit to inviting people to church, not just so that you can say that you've got a big church, but so that you have a place that you know that you're going to go where the Spirit of God can impact people because every one of us knows somebody that you know the only hope that they've got is Jesus and they're not going to listen to you. But maybe if you get them into God's house, maybe the Spirit of God will start doing the Spirit of God thing and it will transform that person. Because listen to me, church, somebody can change for you, that won't be a lasting change. But if they change because the gospel of Jesus has changed them, and the Spirit of God has changed them, that's going to make for a lasting change. I remember at a church, I went to baptize this guy, and he came in, he was bigger than I was, and he had on his Budweiser t-shirt, he had on his Budweiser, had all of his Budweiser gear on, this guy he says, you can't baptize him in that. He says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to baptize him, I'm going to let the Spirit of God change him. Guess what? If I had told him to go home and change, he would have never come back. But he came in, I baptized him, and I never saw that stuff again in his life. But because we go to church, we can point out everybody's flaws. When you're counting people's flaws, you're missing out on what it is to being committed to the church. My church sits in Russellville, Kentucky, and right across the way from our church, there's this community that has been built. I mean, just right, just, just right across the street from us. And when I go mow the churchyard, every time I go, I see the police go in there, they come out, they go right back. And I go to church a lot of times on Wednesdays. I see the police going in there and I talk to our people. They say, man, there's anything that the mind can imagine, it's in that community. We're fixing to have to go tackle that community because the only thing that's going to make a lasting impact is the gospel of Jesus. And when we go in there, guess what? We're going to get a little dirty. There's going to be kids that come in and they're going to say words that you normally don't say at church. Same thing you say when y'all sitting in traffic down down Nashville. Well, I don't know who you are. I know who the cussers are. Y'all just laughed. But here's the thing about the church. Let me bring this back around. It says that there was a sense of awe. And it says, And day by day, attending temple together, and praying and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Listen, church, we've got the opportunity right here, right now, to worship our Lord and Savior who's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. Our Jesus, He knows your needs. He knows everything about you. He's alive and we get to worship Him. It's not words on a screen. It's a Savior in heaven that came to this world for you and for me. Praise God for all that He's done in your lives. Chris and I came up here one day when they were doing construction on the, the new part of the building. Man, it looks good. Let me tell you what to make it look even better. Y'all fill them offering buckets up and pay it off. That one's free. We're fixing to do some stuff at our church. And of course, the human side of me goes, man, it's too expensive. It's too expensive. We can't do this. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people, all of a sudden the money will come from places that you didn't even expect it to come from. When we start worshiping Jesus, all of a sudden things that we used to think that was important to our life doesn't seem so important. And we have to change what we give our, give our money to. Praise God for all that He has done in your lives. When we worship, we can find joy in difficult days because everybody in this room, at some point in time, you're going to have a terrible bad day and you're not going to know what to do. But if you've got Jesus in you, you can find something good because you can say, I know that the best is in front of me. Because right now, listen to me, we think that we are in the land of the living 
headed to the, le- the land of the dead. But when you are a follower of Jesus, we are in the land of the dead, headed to the land of the living. Because we are more alive when we are in the presence of Jesus. We're going to be so alive one of these days. And of course, Chris and I, we've all, we make jokes. You know, this is how sick we are. We have talked about funerals, and we actually have talked about we want to fix our, our gravesides up that when you step up, it will, it will say something that we would say or it'd play a song or something. Be like, or have a hand up. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Wouldn't that mess with you? One of these days, they're going to put me in the ground, and this body's going to be graveyard dead. Unless Jesus comes back first, they can chunk this old body in the ground, but I'm going to tell you, I will be more alive. You know what? My entire life of being around church, I have never been allowed to be in the band. They have never let me sing in the choir. They've never let me do an interpretive dance because I can't dance. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to sing. I'm going to be able to dance. I'm going to be able to shout, do all the things that I couldn't do down here. Because they're not going to need another preacher up there because we're going to get to hear from the King of kings and the Lord of lords and His name is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to sit at His feet and I'm just going to be amazed at what I'm hearing and amazed at what I'm seeing. But right here, right now, let's allow ourselves to be amazed and say, Lord Jesus, do a work inside of me. Do something great inside of me. God, if there's sin that you're packing around that you can't handle anymore, get rid of it. Give it to Jesus. Because He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins there's somebody in this room that you've had a little tiff with, maybe during this to see the Spirit of God, maybe, maybe somebody needs to walk across the aisle. I'm sick of tired of living in this nation that says that we're supposed to be unified and unity is our big thing when we're so divided. Listen, they're never going to get it right in Washington. They're never going to get it right in Nashville. They're never going to get it right in Frankfort, Kentucky. So it's going to be up to the church. It's going to be up to us. So let's set the example and let's show people what true unity and what true power is, and it comes from Christ Jesus. He's alive. Do you know Him? Right now, what are you going to do with Christ Jesus? Are you going to sit there and say, Lord, maybe next year, you don't, you're not guaranteed next year. We're guaranteed right here, right now. Lord Jesus, do a work inside of me. God, change me. God, move me. God, send me to the places that you want me to go. God, you know every soul in this room. God, you know exactly what needs to happen right here, right now. And Lord, this is what my praying, Lord, is that your perfect will will be done right here, right now. We love you. We want to serve you. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Y'all weren't fast enough.